Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. This is part two of our conversation with Whetstone publisher, Stephen Satterfield. We hope you enjoyed where we left you off <laughs> on 252, talking about pig farming and sex. Um, not that not they go hand together, in hand. but yeah, how one led to the other. Right. <laughs> somehow. Sure, somehow. <laughs> but um, please enjoy our part two with Stephen, and uh, we'll come back and talk a little more about Stephen and what he's doing. Thanks. actually what I did there. I ended up meeting with some people in the wine business in Calveras. That's in the Sierra foothills mm-hmm. in California. Um, and I was there for a while, about four months. And then uh, I had a moment where I wondered if I would ever have sex again. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a reasonable thing. I just don't again, know what to we didn't expect. know which way what? this is going. Well, I was like, oh, now who's he, who's he going to save now? Well, because... <laughs> Himself. Myself. Yeah, yourself. Yes. I'm glad you thought about yourself. You're not doing a lot of thinking of yourself right now. So I'm Up glad. until that point, Good I was. You. Yeah, I was very selfless. And then I said, you know what? What um, about me? What it's about perfectly me? Perfectly healthy. That's yeah. perfectly well, healthy. This town that I was in is a very small town. I think that the. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't have to paint such a clear picture, but there is less than 100 people in the 2010 census in this town. Well, I don't think sexy time when I hear pig farm. Right. Or oh. Calveras <laughs> County. That too. <laughs> Sorry, Calveras County. No disrespect, Calveras County. <laughs> but I mean, awesome. basically, uh, that's farm. Is it farmersonly.com? If people need an idea of what yeah. I'm talk- we're I talking think, about. I think maybe this was pre farm It was, See, but. I was ahead of my time. You- Again, <laughs> it's because of you. They're like, man, there's this guy at the pig farm. <laughs> Eligible bachelor just uh, left Calveras. How do I get He's out in? of here. Yeah. Farmersonly.com. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, you're so welcome, right. Farmers Only. So- oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, Portland Farmers Only. So you're wondering if you're ever going to have sex again. Where do you go? San Francisco. Of course you go to San Francisco. <laughs> Welcome. Free, free love. Yeah. It still was then. It was still fun then. It was fun then. Yeah. It was still fun. I'm not mad about, yeah. yeah. It was a much different place. Yes, it um, was. That's only eight years ago. I know. And that's the crazy thing is I, I mean, I had gone there, um, you know, throughout college. So I had some relationship to the city. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'd been to Sonoma. Um, but yeah, you know, there is an energetic place and it was exactly the right place to be. And so I went to meet a friend who was also in the wine business, uh, at Nopa and I was just so taken by this restaurant, you know, it was so big and Mm -hmm. I, it was so like raucous, but everything about it was so correct. You know, the service was really smart and understated Yes, Yes, and they had all the right drinks on the back bar. And they had the wood fire before everyone was doing wood right. fire. Uh, Beautiful it, kitchen, I open. I mean, open kitchen, Gorgeous. like long communal table yep. with 20 seats. It was just like, I, I was so taken by the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm enjoying the meal there. I'm chit-chatting with the psalm. Not in a way that's like, I'm trying to prove anything, but right. I'm just curious. I have lots of questions. Yeah. Um, and so I went back there the next week and was like, I think I need to work at this place. And so I brought my resume by there and I tried to get a position as a busser or um, as a server, but I thought they probably won't hire me as a server. So I should just say I'm looking for a position as a busser. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went back there to hand off my resume and the psalm, who was also a manager there at the time, Chris Deegan, um, he's like, I remember you. I'm like, yeah, cool. You know, you remember me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good That's thing. That's the first, mm-hmm. first good thing. Yes. Uh, 
And then he looks over my resume and he says, all right, we'll call you back. So then I come back to meet with the owner, one of the partners. And he's like, we we're going to hire you, but um, you have to work as a manager. That's the only condition under which we're going to hire you. And you're like, I demand busser. <laughs> I, I, mean, I wanted busser. I was pretty bummed out. And in fact, I actually, I turned down the job. Oh. Uh, because I knew what that meant. You right. Know, I wasn't like super green. I knew managing that crazy restaurant would right. be It's a, a big lot. restaurant to manage. Um, yeah, I mean, you're talking over 500 covers a night. Yep. Uh, 800. She's worked in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and that's what caused your first real breakdown yeah. as an adult. And that's the thing. I had already become so jaded and, yep. I, you mm -hmm. know, I felt so I had already gone through that whole thing. And uh, I went and talked to some friends who worked in the trade in the Bay and they were like, you got to go take that job. Like that is that's a great restaurant mm -hmm. and the people who run it mm -hmm. are ethical and they're mm -hmm. your kind of people and like suck it up basically. <laughs> um, you were in a different place as well. You had lived, done a lot of living yeah, and experience. It's true. And it's, that was, that's very true. I was, uh, for a relatively young person, like had lived a lot of life and yeah. was ready to settle in the Bay. Um, and that's exactly what I did. So I went back to them. I said, okay, I reconsidered. I'll take the job. Uh, and that's how I started managing in Oakland. Wow. You that know? was 2010? Uh, 2010, yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, I ran the nonprofit uh, remotely for the next six months. Yeah. Um, we brought in another partner who basically changed the business from a for-profit or a nonprofit into a for-profit. Mm. So I basically gave her the keys, mm -hmm. um, all the supplier contacts and distribution networks and yeah. all that stuff. Um, and she started selling for-profit wine, uh, and she, they, she's still selling the wine today, actually. Oh, wow. So that worked? That did actually work. Okay. So I well, feel somewhat validated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Your name's on that. Yeah. My fingerprints, at <laughs> yeah. least. Yeah. Uh, um, so you were at NOPA, mm -hmm. you're managing. Uh, the story I read was, it felt a little, not Disney, but like, and then he was at Alamo Square hanging out and he saw kids <laughs> yeah. coming out of Ida B. Wells and was wondering, uh, and I know that's true, I'm sure. Yeah, that's part of it. And you had to summarize it. But so you did start working with the local high school when you're at NOPA, correct? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, awesome. pre that's pretty much what happened. I mean, I was... Uh, I lived in the neighborhood. Yeah. I lived three blocks away. And man, has um, that changed. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very different. Speaking of Disney. Um, totally. It wasn't NOPA when we when I first started living in San Francisco. No. I mean, the neighborhood. Was, yeah. You know, yeah. not the restaurant. But now it's, yeah, everything's changed. But anyway, yeah. go on. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, things are always changing. Uh, that neighborhood's definitely changed. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I really, you know, I want it to be more involved in the neighborhood in a mm -hmm. meaningful way this is sort of a theme in my life mm -hmm. um and so i learned about this garden program that was there that wasn't really a, it wasn't a garden program it was a culinary education program mm -hmm. um for and teenagers for teenagers yeah. right and so these are teenagers who are 15 to 19 who are just in school to get their ged have had a hard upbringing mm -hmm. um, and they were right in our backyard. And so I learned a little bit more about the school. I learned about their culinary arts program 
and ended up befriending the woman who run, ran the program, Alice, and runs the program still, Alice Cravens. Oh, it's still going on. Yep. Great. And um, it's an amazing program called Heat of the Kitchen. And uh, they had this dormant garden outside mm-hmm. that was just steps away from this commercial kitchen that they had. And we were sort of like, how come no one is like connected these dots? Mm-hmm. You know, this is a really amazing opportunity. Um, the garden had gone through periods of disrepair because different nonprofits in the city ran them at different points. But mm-hmm. as their funding ebbed and flowed, same for the care of the garden. And we had resources in terms of people at the restaurant who wanted to volunteer, who wanted to be involved. And um, so I just kind of helped with that process, um, led volunteers from Nopa and Nopalito up at the garden uh, at first every week. And then we did a huge amount of work up there just preparing the grounds. Um, and then later sort of biweekly. Uh, and then I was able to just keep it going for a couple of years uh, along with Alice and her husband mm-hmm. and the students. Um and now the program is still very much like baked into, you know, their curriculum and what they do. Have they uh, kept up with the garden yep. or has, does NOPA still, do you uh, know? I don't know exactly. Yeah. Um, but I do know that uh, the garden is alive and well and uh, has produce that's featured and these seasonal dinners that oh. the students still put oh, on. Wow. Cool. So, Can yeah. wow. regular folks go to a dinner? Um, regular folks you know? should hit up <clears throat> Alice Cravens okay. at, uh, I think she's at Heat of the Kitchen at Gmail or something. But okay. if you go to Heat of the Kitchen, yeah. that's the program. There's contact information on there. There's fantastic. lots of really yeah. cool ways for civilians to interact with the school and the students, and it's totally worth it. Um, it seems like throughout your life, uh, giving and, and, and being thoughtful has been just there. Mm-hmm. Is it something that your parents instilled in you? Was it something you always wanted to do? Because Ange and I... We have another side hustle that we've been working on called The Shift, and it's mm. it, we're talking to people that, what was that shift that made you want to be a part of a community? Or take action. Yeah. Mm. Everybody has these thoughts of grandeur, and oh, I'd like to do this and that, but what was that one thing that shifted yeah. in you? We're also videotaping this. Just kidding. You're going to oh. be on that. No, we're not. But <laughs> um, Where did it come from? Uh, I don't exactly know. I mean, my parents are wonderful people. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a spirit of giving back I would say in our household um but I just it I could not really see it any other way I mean I don't know how else to say it like Mm -hmm. it just always occurred to me that um I should work really hard to do what I want to do because I have I really like being independent I really don't like being told what to do. I'm kind of a shitty employee. Um, I wasn't at NOPA, but that was a special case because they gave me a lot of space there, you know? They gave you room. Like, a lot of room. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a unique situation. That's why you're so happy there. That's why I, I was, saw you. like, cruising around. Yeah. Was... Hey, I love you. Which wines do you want? I'm like, all of them because you're so nice. Give me all of them. Um, no. Yeah, so I, th- I think part of that um, that equation for me part of that intrinsic happiness is about feeling like you are trying to help other people and not in a way that is lauded or loud, but when you're really invested in that work and everyone who does any kind of civic work knows this, like 
it actually does make you feel better. And Mm -hmm. so maybe it is a selfish pursuit insofar as like you're taking a hit of virtue and like that feels good. It's not a terrible thing. No, you could take, there's worse hits. (laughs) Yeah, there is worse. worse. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, So, you know, maybe it's something like self-serving in a, in a more profound way that I'm not acknowledging, but I think big picture, I just liked the idea of me being able to do my thing and helping other people at the same time. Right. Because I mean, at least at NOPA, you were doing something really in the backyard of NOPA. Yeah. And I think Angie and I try to get to that point with the people that we talk to is like, you don't have to do something globally, which you already did, but, (laughs) but you can do something really in your backyard. I think Mm -hmm. those are the most impactful. Like it totally changed my relationship to the neighborhood, right? to the students. You know, when I, when I ask people about Alamo Square Park, everyone knows it's the most visited site yes, in all right. of San Francisco. Full house. Yeah. I ask people who have are native to the city who have grown up here, do you know where Ida B. Wells High School is? Mm-hmm. They have no idea. And this is the oldest high school in San Francisco. Right. It's right on top of the hill. Mm-hmm. So it has this like incredible view. It's a super prominent visual it's the full house house Uh, yeah (laughs) well I I was really embarrassed too because when I did read that story about you and and Ida B. Wells I used to live in the lower hate and that was my voting station was Ida B. Wells and I had no idea the history of the school yeah I knew that the school was there I seen the kids every day but I had no idea the history of of the school it was incredible. Yeah. I just learned it. Well, and because I mean, of you. <laughs> well, it's easy. because of you, it's easy. Stephen. Yeah. Again, <laughs> please, please. Um, it's easy to for schools to be invisible. You know, I think it's yeah. part of um, the the trouble that we as a society have with our our school systems and you know with education at large. People who don't have children don't feel a responsibility to participate in the education Mm -hmm. of our younger generation. And that's fucked up. And it's really short-sighted as well because we are all going to be elderly. Right. And we're going to have needed to develop some relationships or empathy with younger people who will be our caretakers and uh, will be the ones creating we'll be passing bills and on and on <laughs> yeah so, so um anyway not to get too crazy political no, but um bitch talk. i know <laughs> i see you bitch talk um, <laughs> but yeah i think just like the and also my mom uh has been working in the school system in atlanta for over 30 years um it just really seemed like i didn't have a choice other than to involve myself in that program. You've had an education about education. True. True that. Yeah. Exactly. And there's a lot. Yeah. That, <laughs> that goes on. And it didn't education. come from private school. No, it didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel your pain, Stephen. No, it we can talk not. about it later. Yeah. Um, so, okay. You're at NOPA, you're a manager, but you're also helping or managing their socials. Yeah. Right? You went into Nopalize. Yep. So, um, <laughs> It just wasn't enough. It, it wasn't, wasn't enough. I have, have enough to I have do. a short attention span. You this sound is, like us. This You're is like, let's thing. do this. Let's do this. Uh, so, yeah, I get bored easily. And, um, <laughs> it's you know, it's not good when I get bored. I really do become unhappy and mm-hmm. a bad worker and all that. So um, I was doing, like, the gatekeeping uh, for media inquiries. So oh, okay. um, every manager had, like, their own special department. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people did more like scheduling and HR stuff. Some people did wine stuff. Some people did uh, on and on. So I was doing kind of like media stuff. Okay. Um, and if you wanted to have an interview with mm-hmm. the owners of NOPA, then you would send a, 
info at and then I would check it and I would kind of filter it out. So um, I remember one time I got this email from Eater about a story they wanted to do about Nopa. I ran it up the chain. We said, sure, let's do the story. And I remember reading it and being so disappointed in what came out Mm -hmm. Um, because we had given them a lot of time and, you know, we were very thoughtful with our answers and we really tried to show the breadth of like all of the things that we were doing, which was a lot um, to be a better restaurant and not just in terms of like the quality, but like what we were doing internally to train our staff and the trips we were taking and the way we were sourcing and who we were sourcing from and all this stuff. And um, after that article came out, I went back to my employers. This is in 2012. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I really think that we can do this better. Hmm. Um, I don't think that we should be outsourcing our stories to the the media. Um, I think that they haven't earned the trust and we should just tell our own story. Hmm. And I was luckily able to point to um, David Chang, who is a very world famous chef Mm -hmm. uh, who had started Lucky Peach magazine. Uh, Yes. um, As like, an extension of his restaurant Mm -hmm. culture and brand and ideology. It's a beautiful magazine. Um, Beautiful magazine. They actually just RIP last year. I was wondering. Yeah, their (laughs) last one. Um, That's hard. Print's hard. It's hard. I think probably some of their challenges were not just about uh, straight commercial stuff. Um, Mm. But um, anyway, and I was able to point to that as an example of like other restaurants taking a more meaningful role in Mm -hmm. telling their own story. Another restaurateur in New York named Andrew Tarlow, who's a famous Brooklyn restaurateur, mm-hmm. had also come out with this quarterly journal called Diner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they went forward and slowly, you know, I got us on Instagram and I got us on Twitter and we were using Tumblr. And then we started getting more serious about Tumblr. And then I went back to them and I said, how about we just make this my job <laughs> and uh, I will run all of these channels? Because it's a lot of work. It was a lot uh-huh. of work, and I had to convince them that there's merit in this kind of work because mm-hmm. they this is not the world they came from. Um, so I, after two years, was able to convince them, and also <laughs> working on it, yeah. you know, they were starting to see the growth. They were right. starting to see it evolve, and from like a blog into a more serious journalistic endeavor that was really um, a unique project. There just wasn't, I mean, even still, but certainly again back then, there wasn't really mm-hmm. restaurants who were like that dedicated to chronicling their own worldview, especially on the local food side. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be fair, though, a lot of restaurants don't have that capability. Tr- so true. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know. I mean, Nopa did because we were a successful restaurant. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they invested in me. Right. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't like we were making money from the project. Right, right. They uh, are very good at supporting their employees as human beings Mm -hmm. and so you know part of the investment was yeah it's going to be good I mean we weren't paying for marketing or advertising or anything like that so I think you know part of it was seen as a marketing investment but part of it was just like Steven's a nice enough guy he's really into this we should support his dreams Mm -hmm. Um, and like that is exactly why all the people who told me I need to go to Nopa, even though I didn't want to be a manager, told me to go there. You right, know, they right. were speaking to that character, and um, I benefited hugely from it. Mm-hmm. So you were working on Nopalize, and then how did you jump into? Yeah, so I was working on Nopalize. I did writing that. and yeah, we'll two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Uh, I 
was working on Nopalize full time. We had agreed that, um, you know, instead of me working on the floor, my time would be best spent working from home and just pumping out like content on this Mm -hmm. website. And the way that it worked is, uh, I mean, yeah, I can tell you how the sausage was made because I think more (laughs) restaurants actually could do it. Yeah. Um, What we did was we used a trade account as our currency. And so I would get a fixed amount of uh, trade uh, budget each month. So like 1500 bucks or something like that. And then I would go to writers and photographers and sound engineers and video people and say, hey, I can give you uh, dinner for two at NOPA. Smart. Uh, Mm. If you can give me this many photographs or this many editorial pieces or whatever. Done. And the the thing about that was it was like more valuable than the money that we could have given them in a way. Because just the feeling of like, going to a super nice restaurant yep. and being broken mm-hmm. off in trade yeah. especially i saw a lot of dates <laughs> <laughs> where the trade account was Valentine's. Like, uh, <laughs> timely yeah it's not even just you know they were they otherwise i'm sure could have used their own cash to pay for the meal but Maybe. it just looked so much better yeah let's go to yeah. napa uh, yeah i have a hookup i have the, so cool exactly works yeah. for me yeah i'd so, be there pork chop so uh exactly <laughs> a pork chop for your troubles yeah um so yeah we were able to tap into that and then um we built a really dynamic team of uh creative contributors i learned a lot about how to run kind of a modern media company even though i didn't know that's what i was learning that's what i was doing um and so as that project started to take off, I really, I became more into the idea of building like a proper media company. Hmm. And I guess the best way to say it is that my ambitions just really got too big for what Nopalize was supposed right. to do. Um, and so my, that was just one, it was one thing. Exactly. Yeah. And my curiosity too, you know, I wanted, like we were working with Nopalito to tell stories about um, their menus, their chef who's also a partner there mm-hmm. is from Veracruz, Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I was learning, I was interviewing him about all of the different seafood and Mediterranean influences and spices just from his little corner of Mexico. Right. And I'm like, I want to go to Veracruz. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. like, I want to go to there. Yeah. That's way more compelling to me right. than mm-hmm. like, no offense, Northern California, but I had just been right. doing these farm stories for so long. Um, so, uh, at, after I expressed this interest, the partners were just kind of like, we will support you by basically subsidizing your seed funding to get this brand together, and which is the brand became Whetstone. Wow. And uh, once you have that brand together, that'll be your last day working with us. Wow. And so Whoa. I was like, <laughs> I'm taking that deal. Damn. Yeah. So yeah. You. I got to pick out Excuse the uh, designer I wanted to work with, and- um, we worked on creating this entire brand identity for what became Whetstone. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it took two years to come to market as in terms of the planning and it branding and getting the stories and finding the team yep. and blah, blah, blah. There's so much other bullshit that happened oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in between that, which we don't even need to get into. But like a little bit of drama, just like it was really hard to come to market. Um, but okay. we finally did. And um, that was in 2017 in the spring. And then we did it again uh, in yeah. December. And so now we have just released our second volume. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be releasing the third volume next month. Or oh, wow. uh, not next month, sorry, in uh, 
in April. Okay. Um, and yeah, basically the magazine, exactly as the Nopalize roots would lead you to believe, it's a magazine from the point of origin. So it's about where the things we eat and drink come from. It's about indigenous cuisines and cultures. Yep. And it's about uh, indigenous foodways and farmers um, and traditions. And that's Who, who's of, making your food? Who's making your food? Yep. Who's growing your food? Right. Um, who's picking your food? Yeah. And just like even more broadly, like where does food come from? Right. You know, mm-hmm. like what is corn actually? What is coffee or what is chocolate? Things that seem really... Um, that are so rudimentary that like we haven't ever really stopped to examine those questions, even though we consume these products like mm-hmm. all day. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Where and, does Coke come from? Uh, Just kidding. I know. I know it's terrible. I'm, embarrassed. I we all, I'm really embarrassed I'm drinking gonna, this in front of you. I wasn't going to put you on blast. It's totally fine. I'm really tired. I don't, tired. I don't this make is legal. You know what? <laughs> I'm not here to judge. Uh, She's also sorry. drinking Jameson. If that, There's also that balances Jameson it out. Chaser that uh, and water. Uh, it's fine. I, hydration station. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Whetstone. Yes, in, in um, origin. Yeah. What is the? I was gonna. Oh, what does the name come from? How did you come up with that? A uh, whetstone is a sharpening stone. Mm-hmm. It's a very vital kitchen tool for keeping knives sharp. And um, I liked what it represented metaphorically. You know, mm. engaging with our content will sharpen. Keeping us sharp. Keeping us sharp. Your senses. Okay. Um, but also just. Use that yeah. line when you take me to that free notebook <laughs> That's right. And then it's and on. And I'm sold. <laughs> Easy. Write that down, Char. Yeah. Ooh, Whetstone. <laughs> tell okay. me, anyway, tell me sorry. more. No, no. I mean, it sounds like a porn. <laughs> I know. Okay. Go on. No, no, no. But that, <laughs> wow, that's great. I love it. Yeah. And um, how do you pick, do you, do you know what you want to center on? For each issue and then you find the right writers for that in the right countries or how do you go about um, is it always different is it so far so we've worked with almost 40 different creatives uh hmm. and that's just over two magazines wow. so um, because we don't have a lot of money uh well we did pay our writers this last time but essentially what we did was distribute the uh ask over many different people so there's not like a few people doing a lot of stuff. It's like a lot of people doing just a little bit. It's just how we kind of piecemeal the thing together. Did you Indiegogo or Yeah, we did it Indiegogo. Okay. Um, that's how we were able to pay for the second one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we raised like, I think, 14 grand or something on mm-hmm. Indiegogo. And then nice. uh, used half of that money to pay our contributors. The other half to pay for print. Right. Uh, one day I might get paid. Um, we're still saying that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we have one day. One day. We have we have plans for Whetstone that uh go far beyond just the print magazine. Um I was going to ask. Thank you. Yes. I didn't even have to ask. Segue. I'll um, drink my Coke. <laughs> yeah, basically. Sorry. You just sit over there and drink your yeah, Coca-Cola. Thanks. Thanks, Stephen. Um we we're going to produce more media across more platforms, you know. What I'm really interested in um podcasting i'm really interested oh, well, in producing videos mm-hmm. uh i know here i am here you are um and so just i think more stuff with our point of view uh across more platforms is kind of what we're building for we are going to do stuff like take on advertisers um so what do you mean dun, dun. Like <laughs> we're going to take funding from advertisers not indiscriminately okay but um it is part of what we will do to raise revenue so like that, thoughtful advertisers um not coke 
we would never take money from Coke. <laughs> not Coke. Um, I think if Coke really read our magazine, they would probably say, this is just not a good fit for us. Right, right. Yeah. So, we don't understand what all of this means. Yeah. Just kidding. Um, it's not really Coke it's not for them. literature. Although it might be. I mean, we could do a story, for instance, about uh, the history of sugar cane yeah. in, um, you know, the West Indies. Right. Mm. So like. Brought to you by Coke. And well, and Coca the story would actually, in my view, culminate uh, in Atlanta, where I'm from, where mm-hmm. Coca Cola uh, was able to make a fortune through mm-hmm. this trade that was already well embedded in our region mm-hmm. um, and and really throughout the entire Americas and Caribbeans. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's like, and the reason that I'm bringing up that example is because I don't really. I'm not, I would never criticize anyone for what they, I mean, I did not grow up in a household that eats the way that I eat. And when I go home, it's not how I eat. And I'm not ridiculing anyone for that. What I'm trying to do is to get people to think more critically about mm-hmm. what they're eating right. and mm-hmm. what they're drinking. And if you know more about that, then I trust that you will make decisions that are ultimately better for your health better for the planet and better for the communities who brought you those things and the problem right now is we're sort of like those farmers in south africa who are isolated in the value chain we don't see the whole picture Mm -hmm. and and that's because these industrial food companies have created value adds all along the supply chain Mm -hmm. and so what starts off as corn gmo corn grown Um, in the middle of the country and sugarcane grown in the Caribbean, like we don't understand how those two things are what comprise Coca-Cola, right? for instance, mm-hmm. you know, or, and so like just trying to help people find those uh, associations, then they realize that food is super political and that um, the, the choices that we make around our food really affect our lives and health and the lives and health of millions and millions of people all over the world. Well, it's kind of just mm-hmm. like anything, like politics. If you read a little bit under the surface, yeah. then you're going to be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or yeah. maybe you'll be happy. But if you just scratch it a little bit, you'll see what's really going on. Yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on is you have an upcoming event, right? Oh, yeah. Um, it's true. Thanks. <laughs> Fact. We need to um, we need to get an SF event on the calendar. Yeah. So I I regret that we haven't done that yet, but we will. You soon. will. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we are working with the Food Book Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, who is from LA? They host a really cool party for food publishers, indie food publishers, mm-hmm. and media makers every year in New York. They're coming to the West Coast for the first time on March 2nd, I believe, that mm-hmm. weekend. Um, and there's going to be a bunch of other uh, food magazine publishers there, food writers, um, just like food people. Uh, there's tons of programs. I think there's like 20 programs over the course of the weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, we are presenting, co-presenting a panel on the uh, sort of the future of California cuisine but also looking at it from a historical context uh, mm-hmm. as well so um that is that panel is led uh by jonathan kaufman who is a writer for the sf chronicle mm-hmm. um also from Seth, uh, san francisco 
uh, Gail, who is one of the owners at Foreign Cinema. Which I love. Uh, so she'll be there. So there's like a little bit of a Bay Area I like it. flavor mm-hmm. um, to the panel. And um, yeah, that's just like how you can interact with us in the wild. We'll be selling magazines there. <laughs> uh, and if when is this going to air? Uh, later this week. Okay. Well, on Thursday we have an event at the battery but maybe that's fancy just down oh, the street wow. yeah it's just they don't the let street. the likes of me in there yeah oh, stop that. <laughs> me neither no there's good a... to put on real shoes for that <laughs> yeah do for... you okay well sounded well, nice that was my that was my condition too <laughs> oh that you had to that you can wear whatever you want or uh, you're just kidding no i put didn't. on real shoes i didn't really tell them that oh, okay um well anyway there's a panel happening there on thursday we will also be there selling our magazine but uh, yeah, more opportunities to engage offline coming soon. Can people just go on the website and purchase a magazine if they wanted to? They sure can. I would love it if they did that. Okay. I will happily send them one, whetstonemagazine.com backslash subscribe, or okay. if you just click subscribe, you can do that. It's really um, it beautiful. It is beautiful, yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and if you want to follow us all over the world, um, follow our contributors who regularly take over our accounts. Uh, I am a regular traveler. I post on there sometimes. We are at Whetstone Magazine uh, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Whetstone with an H. Yep. And if anyone, what, what if someone has a, a really interesting story or is a photographer out there, a videographer, Pitch and us. can they reach out yeah, to you and pitch us. ideas? Hundred percent. We love it. I mean, um, the cool thing is, like, part of the reason that this is created, what's created, is for people who don't necessarily have a traditional trajectory in media or storytelling, um, but who have that desire. I mean, obviously there's a certain editorial and stylistic standard that we're going for, but um, because I for so long felt a part or not of the media world or sort of fraudulent in this space, (laughs) um, I really feel like a lot of the way that the gatekeeping has happened in media and food media in particular um, has prevented otherwise great stories and interesting storytellers yep. from from breaking in and so mm-hmm. it's been very um vanilla yeah and i love vanilla yeah vanilla's great but it's, French vanilla. it's, it's a great foundation <laughs> madagascar yes <laughs> <laughs> i like that but i'm you know it's just this is why i wanted to have you on it's been a very constant theme uh of food writing and food programming and it's just very um i don't know boring now yeah and i love what you're doing thank you it's beautiful i I super super appreciate that thank you and we're gonna do a lot more i mean now that uh i kind of understand how to make the magazine i think i'm just trying to make more make it more often so that we can work with more creative people Mm -hmm. and um just see how many stories we can get out in the world and i also think last note i think you're making this very accessible which has also been kind of a weird thing in in upscale food Mm -hmm. um that it's not accessible to everyone so thank you yeah it's it's part of that disconnect um we see it all the time and i think one way to make food in general more accessible is to put less of an emphasis on the chef and Mm -hmm. a a much greater emphasis on the farm workers the Mm -hmm. fishermen and or women um and really help people see that more complete picture of of food production yeah 
Steven Satterfield, thank you so yeah. much for being here. Thank you Come so back much. anytime. Yeah. Yeah, it was really thank fun. You. Next really... time we'll do a wine tasting. Yeah, I know. I feel I'm disappointed <laughs> I didn't bring any wine for you. But yeah, next time we'll do, uh, but no one wants to hear you slurp on Yes, they do. No, they, they do. do. Yeah, 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 yeah. we're more entertaining after yeah. some glasses too. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's way more entertaining. I imagine. <laughs> well, I feel like y'all held out on me then. Oh, <laughs> next time. Next time. Okay. Well, it's a serious subject. We're talking about your magazine. Yeah. Next yeah. time it's just going to be wine time. We were drunk when we made it though that's no. you were drunk when you made this that's actually not true yeah i bet there's little but there was drinking involved. there's yeah. no yeah there's no judgment in that we called that research earlier exactly <laughs> exactly uh, steven thanks so much thank for your time you. maybe sure. we'll see you in a few months yes i'll be back thank cool. you And that was uh, the rest of our interview with Stephen Satterfield, publisher of Whetstone uh, Digital and Handheld Magazine. Gorgeous magazine. He's amazing. He's awesome. Yeah, great storyteller um, and just inspiring. Yeah, and I love how he makes uh, just caring about your community and, and wanting to do more. Just that's not a superhero trait. That's just no. what makes you human. Right. He's like, I uh, just couldn't imagine not. being any other way and not right. caring. And I like I like that outlook because it it shouldn't be something that we celebrate as special. We right. should all have this inherent need and want. Yeah. And just do something. Yeah. It can be really small. It doesn't it? It can be in your backyard, which it was for him. Not the South African thing. <laughs> so I'm like, sure, yeah, 22, 24, whatever, however old he was, he started that. But there's one thing I wanted to read really quickly, um, if you're not already interested in Whetstone, but what he's doing, and I found this on the About page. Oh, my God, about the gatekeepers? Uh, No. Okay, because I wanted oh, to yes. read something yeah, from yeah, the yeah, website. Yeah. This is the same thing same that thing. I was going to say. Yeah, You yeah. just beat me. Okay, Why go don't ahead. You, do you you want to do every other word? No. no you, you read it. You read it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, I can read to a certain point and then you can pick it up. Did you write the whole thing Is down? Is it when the gatekeepers... You that? can pick up that part. I'll cue you on that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll point at you okay. and that's when you start. So it's it's what is Whetstone. As a minority-owned publisher, we're proud to say this venture is led by a team of women and people of color. We believe this diversity is not just noteworthy. It's part of what makes the project so essential. When the gatekeepers are diverse, so too are the stories, its tellers, and their experiences. This diversity accelerates our knowledge and empathy. Whetstone is unequivocally and gratefully a better publication because of it. I mean, Stephen Satterfield, yeah. 2020. Thank you. What the fuck? Yeah. Warren Satterfield, 2020. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren, Stephen yeah. Satterfield. Yeah. I mean, I'm not mad at it. He should be uh, making some policies. <laughs> But I read that and I was like, fuck yes. Uh, yeah, me too. I well, want that on a bag. I think it's really funny because I think people should know that Aaron <laughs> no. and I, we don't converse before do these interviews. Ever. We're never like, what questions are you going to ask? Nope. Which I think maybe some people do <laughs> when they're running. I don't know. Maybe Shark can tell us more about that. But we don't. But we don't. Like It's just kind of like we do our own thing. But that's really funny because I wrote this down and I'm like, I got to end it with this. And yeah. you thought the same thing. That's funny. That's anyway. Why, that's why Jess and May thought we were Done. scissor sisters, but we're not... <laughs> Just best, uh, like my favorite cousin. No, we're like um, <laughs> uh, sisters from another mister. Maybe that's it. Okay. But anyways, Stephen. But yeah, that's, thank you. That's and exactly, it says everything. And it's not just about food. It's not no. just about, it. that's life. Right. Is, it's diverse. And, and he's diverse. And I, 
that's why I brought him in. I mean, and I told him when we were leaving, I'm like, to be honest, the food world is so whitewashed, you guys. I mean, and I love the food world, but it's talking about the same things. It's it's glamorizing chefs for the wrong reasons. It's Food Network, which I love, but it it's turned into like a, not Cartoon Network, but like a almost a game show network in a way. Yeah. And so Steven's really breaking it down talking about food and looking at food and looking at the people who are producing your food in a different way. Um, so that's why I had him on. I think what he's doing is really special and um, who knows, maybe he will, he will run for, office. <laughs> maybe we're going to make him run for office, Stephen, if you're listening, but thanks so much for coming on. Please go to whetstone.com. You can subscribe to his beautiful magazine. I mean, really you guys, it's, yeah. I know, you know, print is dying, but this is, oh, it's gorgeous. If you're into food, cooking, whatever. Photography. Also, it'd be a great present for someone who is into um, travel, food, everything. It's just really well done. Just the photography alone, it's like a National Geographic. Yes. But for food. Yeah. Food driven. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. But if this is your thing, like it's my thing, please, please support him. It's, people don't do this shit anymore. Um, and also, uh, come support us. Visit bitchtalkpodcast.com. Find us on all the socials. Say hi. Tweet at us. Uh, again, Angela To Be Pecked is probably our number one listener and fan, which I Blah. love her up in Canada. Um, but seriously, if you tweet at us, I will, I'm the one running the thing. So I'll tweet at you. I'll message you, whatever. So anyways, on that note, thank you for listening to our two-parter with Stephen Satterfield. Uh, this is episode 253 of the Bitch Talk Podcast. We'll see you soon. Bitch, please.